You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. Good morning. It's still morning. It's great to be with you. It's great to have you guys here. I'm really excited to uh, be able to talk to you about Jesus today. Amen. We love Jesus. If you wonder why the music's so loud here, the lights are so bright, and why we are so expressive in our worship, it's because we really love Jesus. Some people get really animated and crazy and out of control at a football game, at a soccer game, basketball game, at a movie, about whatever. That's their God. Jesus is our God. And we can't help but... We can't contain ourselves. We can't help but be expressive in sharing our love for him, and we try to do that as much as possible. And I just love talking about him. I love him so much. Let's pray. Jesus, you're the one that we're here for. You're the reason we're here, and we love you so much. You're so wonderful. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for who you are. We love you. We honor you. Lord, I ask for every person here today that they would experience you, your love, how real you are, that they would see you, Lord. Lord, that you would conform us to make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I've said this before, but as, as pastors, as leaders here, our heart, our desire, and our responsibility is to partner with the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you, for you to see him, for you to know him and follow him with all of your life. That's why we're here. We are here because of him. We are here for him, and it's all about him. And we love him with everything that we have. And we love to talk about him. We know that if you see him, if you truly experience him and encounter him and know him, you will never be the same. You will want to know him more. You'll be willing to give everything away and give everything, put, off, put it off to the side and want nothing but him and pursue him with all of your life. And you'll be transformed and become like him in seeing him, in knowing him. I loved our worship time today. I love that we sang his name over and over again. He is the name above all names. He is God. Jesus is God. He is the Son of God. He is God. And you, you, you notice the power that is in the name of Jesus, that no one else uses another God's name as a swear word. No one else uses somebody else's name in vain. No one's walking around going, oh, Buddha, oh, Muhammad, oh, Allah, oh, some new age Hindu God name. No one's walking around saying that in vain, using it as a swear word. People don't mind if you talk about God in a generic sense. People don't mind if you pray to God in a generic sense. But you begin to talk about Jesus, you begin to talk about him and begin to pray in his name, oh man, you get people all stirred up and upset. Why? Because there's power in his name. He is alive. He is the one and only true God. And he is alive today. There's a million ways to hell. There's only one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. He is the way. And we can't be upset 
that there's only one way, that it's narrow. We must celebrate and be thankful that there is a way, that Jesus provided a way for us to know God, and it's him. And this is why we're here. And I get really excited in talking about Jesus. In John chapter 12, some people, some Greeks, came to the disciples of Jesus, and they said to him, they had a request. They came to Philip, and they, it says in John 12, 21, they came with the request, sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. We would like to see Jesus. And I believe that everybody's heart, everybody's desire, everyone in their life, at the core of their being, that is their heart's cry. Oh, that we would see Jesus. The world is asking that. The world is wanting that. You are wanting that. You might not know how to articulate it. You might not know how to express it. You might not know what it, what it, what it feels like. But inside of you, there's this cry. There's this longing for you to see the real Jesus. Humanity has done a poor job. The church at times has done a poor job in representing Jesus and, and showing you the real Jesus of who he really is. Our hearts here at the Promise Church is to do the best we can for us to love him, to reveal him, and to show him to the world for who he really is. Because when you see the real Jesus, you will never be the same. Your life will never be the same. And you, you will want to know him more than anything else, and you'll become like him. The last few times that I've shared uh, here on a Sunday morning. I've talked about different themes and different elements about seeing Jesus. A couple times ago in July, I talked about Jesus being the love of your life. He must be the first, your, your first love. He must be what you love more than anyone and anything else. When he is in that place in your life, when he is at the center of your life and your whole life revolves around him and you love him with all that you are, your life will begin to make sense. Everything in your life will begin to fall into place. You will be satisfied. The things of this world, the things of of sin, the things of yourself will begin to fall off. They'll have lost their appeal. You won't want them anymore because you're in love with him. He will satisfy you as we sang this morning. The last time I spoke, earlier a couple weeks ago, talked about Jesus being our very great reward. When he is in that place in our lives where he is our reward, he is our goal, he is our prize, the treasure of our hearts, where we're going, what we want more than anything else, that we want the promise giver more than the promise. We want him more than what he can give us. We want him more than any blessing. We want him more than just going to heaven. When he is in that place in our lives, Man, everything else in our lives begins to be at peace. We're in a place of trust and rest in him. We begin to be able to be in a place of waiting on the Lord and not be anxious, not be stressed out, not be worried, not be burdened with the things of this world because we have him. I am convinced, you can't change my mind about it, that Jesus is the solution to everything. He is the solution to everything in your life, everything that you're going through, everything that you're facing. He is the solution to everything going on in our world. He is the answer. He is the solution. If he wasn't, he wouldn't be God. He is all that we need. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. Today I want to talk to you about Jesus and seeing Jesus as the living and true word. The living and true word of God, that we would see him in this way. Jesus is alive. Amen? He is alive, and he is the truth, and he is God. John 1, verse 1, we're going to dive into some really core, fundamental 
pieces and aspects of who Jesus really is and what is foundation to our faith in following him. John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. Say, Jesus is the word. Say, Jesus is God. Notice the W is capitalized. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is eternal. Jesus has no beginning. He was never created. He's always been. He's always existed, always is, and always will be. Jesus is the word. Verse 3, through him all things were made. With, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Verse 14, the word, Jesus, God, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He came and became fully human and fully God at the same time. The other, another word for that dwelling is tabernacle. He became the walking house of God on the earth. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. That's my prayer for us today, that we would see his glory, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Verse 18, this is such a great verse. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. No one has seen God, but Jesus has seen God. And it says here, Jesus has made God known. If you've seen Jesus, you know what God looks like. When you see Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he represents and what he says, you've seen the Father, you've seen God because you've seen Jesus. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is so powerful, so amazing. If it's not for you, it definitely is for me. Why, why is Jesus revealed as the Word? Why is Jesus revealed as the Word? Any, anybody ever thought about this? Anybody ever contemplated this for a moment? Why the Word? Why that phrase? Why that language? Why that choice of painting this picture? You don't have to answer. I'm asking a rhetorical question for you to ponder. All right? So you know, no pressure here. But in, in Luke 6, verse 45, Jesus says, From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. From the abundance of the heart. When we say things, they're coming from a place of our heart. Our words come from our heart. There, there's something with meaning behind what we say. If we're saying things that aren't good, there's something wrong in our hearts. When we say something powerful, something good, something life-giving, something encouraging, it should be coming from a place of our hearts. And here Jesus is expressed and in, in the picture of him painted as the word, meaning he is the Father's spoken expression. He is coming from the Father's heart. That the Father is saying, you want to know what I'm like? You want to know who I am as God? Look to my son, Jesus. Jesus is the Father's sermon. Jesus is the Father's topic. This is my son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my son. Listen to him. This is what the Father says. And Jesus is God's expression, his heart for us to know. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the past, God spoke 
to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. He's speaking of the Old Testament in our Bibles. He's speaking of the Old Covenant. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through prophets in many different ways and at different times. But in these last days, these are the days that we're living in right now, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through, him, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son, Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Come on, this is awesome. This is, this is exciting. If this doesn't get you stirred up, you need to fall in love with Jesus again. He is the representation of the Father. He is the exact picture of who God is, sustaining all things by his powerful word. This, this is so powerful. After he had provided purification for sins, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. You see, Jesus reveals the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father speaks of, reveals, and preaches the message of his Son, Jesus. And the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us. And the Holy Spirit spoke through men throughout all of the, the, the history of, of, the, of the church and of the Old Testament to reveal Jesus to us. He spoke through them to write the scriptures so that the scriptures would reveal Jesus to us. This is not just a book. This is not a historical document. This is not just something that uh, people have wrote down and their opinions. I'm so thankful that my life isn't based upon opinions. My life isn't even just based upon historical facts. My life is based upon the word of God that the Holy Spirit spoke through people that have been recorded down. You can't get rid of this book. People have tried to burn it. People have tried to extinguish it. People have tried to get rid of it. Countries have tried to refuse it to come into its country. They don't do that to the Koran. They don't do that to other books. Why? Because this is a living word. This is alive today. This is God's words on paper. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the soul. It hurts so good. Jesus is his words. You cannot separate him from his words. He is his his heart revealed here in the scripture. He is the living and true word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that you and I, the followers of Jesus, can be thoroughly equipped for every good thing that the Lord would ask us to do. That word trains us, equips us. It also helps us to know him, the author of who it is about. I'm so befuddled and, and like confused when people tell me that they know God, that they know Jesus, and they love him, but they don't read the word. They don't spend time in the word. They don't allow it to, to change them, to train them, to equip them. They, they, they don't allow it to speak to them. They don't pray the word. They don't ask the Lord to speak to them in the word. They, they don't spend time. I'm not saying that you've got to read a certain amount of chapters, a certain amount of verses, that you've got to have a, a portion of it memorized. But when you know Jesus, you will want to be in his word. Now, it is completely possible to know a lot of scriptures. 
to know a lot of verses, to know the Bible stories, to maybe have been raised and live in church for a long time and know a lot of in, in this book and not know Jesus. It is entirely possible for that to happen. It's sad. I believe there's a large portion of the church at large. You might be one of them in this room. You've known the Bible. You've heard the stories. You've been in church a long time, and you don't know Jesus. You don't know the person of Jesus. He is not an idea. He is a person, and he wants you to know him, and this is the purpose for which the Word is here. The Word is here to reveal his heart, to help us to know him. Again, the Bible is the heart of Jesus on paper. He is his words. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. You can know the Bible and not know Jesus. You can know, the, know it, have it in your life, but not know him. But when you really know him, when you really know Jesus, you will want to be in his word. You'll want to spend time in it. In John chapter 5, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, the ones who had, if not all the Old Testament and and the the first five books of the Bible memorized, the majority of it they knew very, very well, if not memorized. And he's speaking to them, this passage in John chapter 5, verse 37. And he says, And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. So amazing. Jesus is saying, you've read these books, you've read these scriptures, you've memorized them, and they are the ones that point to me, the whole book points to me, but you don't know me. Jesus says, this is eternal life. The eternal life is this, that they would know the Father, and they would know his Son, whom he has sent. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. It's knowing him. It's a personal, intimate connection with the God of the universe. This is who, this is eternal life, and you can have eternal life now. You don't have to wait until you die. You can know Jesus today and be forever changed. This is what he has for us. I want to point our attention back to the scripture, because Jesus tells them what they don't have, what they haven't had in God. It also reveals to us what is available in God for us. It says, you have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. Because you do not believe in the one he sent. If we believe in Jesus and actually know him, it's not just a head knowledge belief. Oh, I believe that Jesus existed at one point, that he was a real person that walked on this earth. No, when you actually receive who he is in your life and choose to follow him, that he is your Lord, he is the center of your life, he is the king of the universe, he is God Almighty. When you begin to put your faith in him in that place, then all of a sudden you can hear his voice. You can see him. You can have his word dwell in you. How can a person live in purity and righteousness? How can a person keep their way pure? By living according to your word, oh God. That is available for us in knowing him. You see, the whole Bible, all 66 books of it, reveal Jesus. Every chapter, every story, every part of it reveals Jesus. You can find Jesus in every part of this, of this book because it's him. 
It's who he is. It's alive. It's active. It's his heart on paper. And I want to read for you the, every book of the Bible and how you can find Jesus in each one of them and who Jesus is in each one of them. And I believe and I'm asking the Lord that in doing this, you will see him. You will encounter him. You will experience him. And you will begin to know him more in a real and tangible way. In Genesis, he is the breath of life. He breathed into man's nostrils and they came alive. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is Israel's guide. In Joshua, he is salvation's choice. In Judges, he is Israel's guard. In Ruth, he is our kingsman redeemer. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, Samuel, he is the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is the sovereign king. In Ezra, he is the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is the rebuilder of walls and lives. In Esther, he is our courage. In Job, he is our timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he is the morning song. In Proverbs, he is wisdom. Come on, if you need guidance, you need direction in your life, he is the person of wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is the time and the season. In Son of Solomon, he is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he is the cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he is the call from sin. In Daniel, he is the stranger in the fire. Come on. So good. On Hosea, he is the forever faithful. In Joel, he is the Spirit's power. In Amos, he is the strong arms that carry. In Obadiah, he is the Lord our Savior. In Jonah, he is the great missionary. In Micah, he is the promise of peace. In Nahum, he is our strength and shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he brings revival. He is revival. In Haggai, he restores that which was lost. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. In Malachi, he is the son, son of, the, of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Come on, and that's just the Old Testament. That's just the Old Testament. Everyone, every book points to Jesus. Every one of them tells the story of a coming Messiah, of a coming Savior to bring salvation to us, to humanity. How about the New Testament? In Matthew, he is the king. In Mark, he is the Son of God. In Luke, he is the perfect Son of Man. In John, he is the I Am. I don't know about you, but I love talking about Jesus. In Acts, he is the head of the church. In Romans, he is the salvation of God. In 1 Corinthians, he is the power of God. In 2 Corinthians, he is our sin offering. In Galatians, he is the new covenant gospel of grace. In Ephesians, he is the fullness of God. In Philippians, he is our goal and prize. In Colossians, he is the pre-existent, preeminent creator and ruler of the entire world. Come on. First and second Thessalonians, he is our coming Lord. And first and second Timothy and Titus, he is our great overseer of the church. In Philemon, he is our intercessor. In Hebrews, he is the author and finisher of all faith. In James, he is the Lord of glory. In 1 Peter, he is the chief cornerstone, the rock of offense. In 2 Peter, he is the beloved son. In 1 John, he is the light, he is the love, and he is the life. In 2 and 3 John, he is the truth who came in the flesh. In Jude, he is the judge. And in Revelation, he is the Lamb of God. <laughs> the Lion of the tribe of Judah, our bridegroom the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
This is my Jesus. This is our Jesus. Will you stand and praise Him? Will you stand and worship Him with me? Come on, just begin to worship Him. Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus, this is who you are. This is who you are, Lord. We give you all praise. We give you all glory. Jesus, we love you. I, I wonder if you're here today and you don't know him. This is my Jesus. This is who he is. Is he yours? Do you know him? You can know a lot about him, but do you know him? He wants you to know him. He wants a relationship, a friendship with you. He died on a cross. He took your place so that you would know him. He became sin. He became a curse so that you might be blessed, so that you might become the righteousness of God. And he's alive today. He didn't stay in the tomb. He is alive today. And he's got the scars to prove it. Those scars are for you and for me. He laid down his life. He shed his blood so that we could know him. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you may know about him. You may have gone to church a long time, but you don't have a relationship where he is the center of your life. You're following him. You are wanting him more than anything else, and you know him. I want you to raise your hand. We want to pray with you. I want to give you an opportunity to come to know Jesus today where you've never said, Jesus, I want to know you. If you've never asked Jesus into your life before to be your Lord and Savior, you say, I want to know you, Jesus. Raise your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together. Communion is very special to me and not just to me, it's very special to the Lord. It's a reminder of what he's done for us. The price he paid on the cross. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. And there's power in it. And in just a moment, we're going to worship. We're going to partake together. I ask you, church, that you would remember what he's done for you. Let it be fresh today. You can't take communion flippantly. You can't take it lightly. It is powerful. Let what Jesus did for you, the love that he has for you, let it become real today. Let it become alive today. Let it be fresh today. That you would know him in a real and powerful way. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you are the living and true word. That you are eternal, that you have always existed and you are here today for us, that you are present with us in this moment. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. We remember your sacrifice. Remember what you've done for us. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. Church, I just ask that you just worship as the worship team leads us and just put your focus on him this morning.